Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to avoid pitfalls when investing in syndications. My guest in this episode is Lori Vines. Lori is the founder of Streams Investing and is a savvy investment specialist who has dedicated nearly her entire career to real estate. Lori became involved in real estate on the mortgage auditing side in 2003, holds an active real estate license since 2006, and began investing both actively and passively herself in 2013. To date, Lori is an equity partner in 3,275 doors in multifamily, 1,760 units in cell storage, and is participating in mobile home park acquisitions as well as holding her own rentals. Lori has been a strategic partner with Thompson Investing and have helped provide investor funds to experienced partners to purchase over $92 million in acquisitions in the multifamily sales storage and mobile home asset classes. Lori helps accredited investors achieve their investment goals with a smooth customer experience while helping sponsors continue to grow and deliver healthy returns for investors. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info cashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're in the Philadelphia, Bucks County and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. And I'm also speaking at the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit coming up on June 27th through to June 29th. It's a three-day information-packed event for multifamily investors with over 1,000 attendees and over 50 speakers. You'll hear from experts about finding deals, raising capital, underwriting strategies, selecting markets, and much, much more. To access the event, you could go to apartmentevent.com to grab your ticket and use promo code NINJA to get $100 off. If you're like many of the listeners of the show, you're always looking for unique ways to protect and grow your hard-earned capital. But sometimes, that's easier said than done. The key to investing late in the cycle is identifying favorable opportunities on a risk-adjusted basis. That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $20 million to mobile home parks, cell storage, and workforce housing due to the ability to generate asymmetric returns while protecting their investors' portfolios. If you're interested in learning more, head over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M-Capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobshire, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. 
If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks, MC. Happy to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you so much for connecting and coming on the show. Uh, Lori, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Absolutely. Um, so I started in real estate in 2003. I started at a large, large, large uh, mortgage company um, that is no longer in business since the great crash. Um, I, in that arena, I was a loan auditor. And so basically, I would review the loans before they were sold on the secondary market and uh, to private investors think of uh, the big short. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, um, if you ask too many questions, you get laid off, turns out. So uh, that went away in 2006 and I got licensed as a realtor. And so I started my journey in real estate with the mortgage background experience and then moved over into helping buyers and sellers. And then as I was going along that route, I of course, got bit by the investing bug. Fast forward to 2013, 2014, I started, you know, accumulating rental property. And, you know, it's interesting because I think it's really common for new investors in real estate or, or, or they read or listen to podcasts or get on bigger pockets. And, you know, you can get shiny object syndrome. And that's kind of what, what I went through, even though I was still in real estate and helping buyers and sellers, um, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to do notes. And so I did some notes and I'm going to do, you know, wraps and lease options and fix and flips and, you know, on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then I think over time, you'll eventually find what rings your bell. Like, I don't think that was a mistake in my journey. I'm glad for those experiences. And it's put more tools in my toolkit you know, to help other people. But um, when I stumbled across syndication, that's the avenue that kind of rang my bell. So back in 2014, I started passively investing in syndication as a limited partner. But my first deal, I know this is just background, but the very first syndication deal I ever invested in, it was not in uh, real estate. <laughs> I lost all my money. And so uh, that was a painful lesson in the hard anvil of experience, which at that time, it was kind of like buying my first car many, many years ago where I got completely taken by the dealer. And I thought, oh, that will never happen to me again. <laughs> and that's what happened with this syndication is it didn't scare me away. I just realized there's a whole lot I didn't know I didn't know. And so that launched me into path to educate myself and ask a lot of questions and get to know a lot of people. And um, that pretty much launched my journey into syndication, it just starting as a passive investor myself. You know, there, there was a fork in the road in your journey. And this is what happens to a lot of folks, whether it's in business, whether it's their first investments, um, they... They, they lose money, right? So they 
or they, they cop it on the chin as they, as people would say. Right. Um, and the fork in the road is you can either then sit back and say, well, this doesn't work. That's just bad. Or real estate is just horrible. Or, you know, this X, Y, Z doesn't work. It's a scam. And then that's the rest of your life right there. The, you know, the, you've basically shut down or you can say, why didn't that work out? What happened? And as you mentioned, then you start, once you start asking good questions for constructive thinking, thinking about your thinking, as Dan Sullivan would say, now all of a sudden you start realizing, man, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And now I realize how much there is that I need to learn and what I didn't know. So you're aware and cognizant of that point about how much learning still needs to happen and the development still needs to happen. Um, and of course, that's the exciting path because from failures, there's huge and massive success stories. There's an endless list to that. So um, that, that's fantastic to share that. And I can, I can really resonate with that. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you is being in, um, you know, you had mentioned... <laughs> Jokingly, it's like I was I was in a I was in an environment sort of like the big short, right? In two thousand and seven and two thousand and eight and nine, obviously the world fell apart for a lot of folks. You were kind of very close to the action on the mortgage side of that. What are some of the biggest lessons that you learned from that? And what are some of the things that that you've taken with you um, out of that experience? Well, reading the world accurately you know, because you could see from looking at the loan products and packaging these opportunities for investors to buy these billions of dollars worth of loans, um, from my little point of view, just a cog in the wheel at that company, you know, asking questions like, because you could see on paper, like, why is this person getting a loan? (laughs) Right. Completely honest, you know, and then asking those questions. brought some attention to like what's really going on and I didn't know and and the full full big picture like what the fallout would be but I look back in hindsight of course it's 2020 and can see like wow you know this was happening however many years before like it just the snowball effect of that so I look back and you know and just know what not to do (laughs) you know Yep, absolutely. For our younger listeners, too, that was not aware, there was things going around. And by the way, this is kind of funny. Ninja loans, <laughs> no relation to the show, whatever, but no, no income, no income, no job, um, and no verification. So it was, um, yeah, it, it was quite a, quite, a, quite a time to be in the business and be alive um, to yeah, see all of this stuff. If you, if you had a pulse, you could, or yep. maybe you didn't, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. So looking back, I mean, it was just crazy. And and just being a cog in one department and not know, but later putting the pieces together and seeing how it all worked. I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah. an incredible learning opportunity. There's some things that make the hair on my back stand up is when you see stuff like um, uh, mortgage applications on your smartphone through an app and instant approval stuff again, <laughs> you know, in some of the Super Bowl ads. Because uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I see that kind. Of, I saw some of that, and I'm like, "Ooh, you know, uh, haven't we done this before? Haven't we been there before? 
you know, you know we, we, we get amnesia. I'm seeing the same thing. A lot of marketing towards no doc loans and, you know, and just where we are in the market cycle and stuff. And, you know, people just need to go in eyes wide open. Yep. And they, you know, know, know yourself, know thyself. Yep. A- absolutely. Now you touched on that first syndication where you lost all the money. What was, what was some of the biggest uh, lessons you learned from that? Um, and what were some of the things that were just red flags that you didn't see at the time? Well, invest in what you know. In hindsight, I look back because I mean, this was a business. It wasn't real estate and I had been in real estate, you know? Yes, real estate was involved, but the business itself, I mean, for newbie listeners, you know, I got strung out on Hopium because it was this little business that could, it was local to me. I watched it go from a thousand square feet to taking over a full city block and getting a restaurant involved. And I mean, it was, it was growing and all this stuff. It it was almost too good to be true. Ha ha. It was too good to be true. Um, you know, there was a lot of, in the syndication world, just the vocabulary, you know, alone is a different language that I, I just literally put all my trust in the operator, um, I knew him personally, and uh, a lot of the other investors did, and, you know, I wanted to believe that this would work, and then um, things were going on in the background, and K-1s weren't being given, no accounting, no answering of questions, and just the snowball effect spiraled, and, you know, you just kind of intuitively go, uh, what's happening, and why is there no communication? Um, there was a lot of red flags along the way, um, but it kept growing and other acquisitions were happening without even the investors knowing about it until after the fact. So there was a lot of uh, bad actor kind of shady things going on. I didn't know because I had no context to put it in that, you know, I just went in completely blind. That's why I referenced while ago, eyes wide open. It, it was just naive on my part to just hand over my capital um, on a whim because I love the business plan and, you know, love the actual product. And, you know, it was just really naive. I, I had no idea. Right. Um, now and you can have, like, I do want to add, sorry. I didn't. Yeah. Sorry. That. Yeah. No, go ahead. Um, you know, you can have a really great opportunity um, and all everything pencils out on paper and numbers work. But if you don't have the right operator to implement it, like a really great deal can go bad. And I think like fundamentally the idea and the business plan and everything, but running the operation, I think that was the cog in the wheel that went wrong. You know, if I look back in hindsight, it wasn't an operator that had experience do, you know, or a track record like what we look for today. <laughs> right. And maybe you could touch just on that. So how you vet operators now differently from that experience. So um, if listeners are looking at investment deals that how they can vet operators and what are some of the things to look for? Well, track record for sure, you know, and, and like everybody has to start somewhere and I had to start somewhere too. Well, you know, for me, my big start was a giant mistake grateful for the experience now, but it was painful, you know, 
Um, and I don't want somebody else to go through that. And, and, you know, I've gone to boot camps and all kinds of things like that. And everybody has to start somewhere. And that's fantastic. But what I've learned now via my own experience and watching others, you know, I may invest in a boot camp, someone that just came out of boot camp themselves. And, you know, we have great rapport and want to transact together and they have a good deal. But um, I'm not going to take that to my investors. You know, they don't have a track record. So the operators, when I'm vetting an operator to look like, you know, like you would take a chance with a friend or somebody that you trust, you know, we help each other out or whatever. But as far as like for a business, looking at operators just from the outside looking in, or like if I'm going to bring a deal to my network, we're only going to work with experienced operators that have a long track record that are very transparent with their underwriting and all their deals and have they been for a full cycle? How do they feel about the market cycle currently? You know, are they conservative? What historically are their numbers are shown? You know, I don't want to not, like I said, everybody has to start somewhere, but we're not going to put a newbie investor out there and say, Hey, come invest your capital here. Like that's not going to happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then the biggest mistake that syndicators can make and oper- what are some of the biggest mistakes that, that you've seen in the industry that, the, that they've made? Well, I think um, it's the same one I made too, just naively going into some, you know, over time, I mean, we want to be here for a long time and you're not only going to be known for the deals that you do, you'll also get a reputation for the deals you did not do. You know, and I think to jump in naively to a syndication like I did and I lost all my capital and I wasn't investing what I knew, um, seeing other uh, syndicators jump in, like they just want to do a deal. And it's exciting and I get it. And it's that shiny object, you know, energy. Um, But you can, you know, don't do a bad deal just to do a deal. So, you know, you'll see people jump in without eyes wide open and they find out along the way, like you're on a learning curve um, and, you know, everybody's going to learn, but you can learn in an educated way. Don't get analysis paralysis. You know, people are overpaying for properties, um, you know, messing with structuring of, of how the deal is presented to project unrealistic return you know i mean there's red flags like if if we're in a different part of the market cycle and we've had a really long great run but really great deals are are harder and harder to come by and so returns are going to get lower caps cap rates are compressed you know all those things factor in so if something looks too good to be true it probably is you know Gotcha. Yeah. And you'd mentioned the market cycle. What are some of the things that you're seeing in the markets that you're operating in right now? You, you'd mentioned that we're at the, the top of, of a market cycle, um, but what are some of the things that you're seeing and what are some of the things that are concerning? Well, I, I mean, I think there's still good deals out there to be found. They, the underwriting needs to be conservative. You got to pay attention to what kind of debt you're putting on it because, you know, Nobody has a crystal ball how long this is going to go. You want to deal with conservative uh, projections 
period, you know, and, and sensitivity analysis is going to show like, God forbid, if we have another 2008, you know, like, will the property still cash flow? Will, will investors still get paid? I mean, capital preservation's number one priority. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't want to lose my capital ever again ever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, I mean, I look at investing, like there's really two strong reasons to invest. One's for cash flow, and the other one's for growth. And so looking at the three niches that we deal in in commercial real estate have been really recession proof. And in the worst case scenarios, if we project out the sensitivity analysis to compare like if another 2008, 2009 happened and our occupancy, let's say in the multifamily arena, if the occupancy dropped to this much, you know, would we still be able to pay the debt service and our investors? You know, you have to project the worst. And of course, if that never happens, great. But if it did, can you still see everything all the way through? you know? Right. And just, it's more reading the world of what's going on. And I mean, we can't ride this market cycle forever. Everybody knows that. And so I think it's just put your best foot forward as far as being conservative and paying attention and, and don't overpay for a property and look at other, you know, with new investors, we tend to start with multifamily. It's really sexy. Most people can grasp it because they've lived in an apartment before. And you, and as far as like comparing it to residential, it's an easy conversation to have to bridge that gap between residential and commercial to, from an investment point of view to explain, you know, at a high level of how it works. But considering self-storage or mobile home parks and educate them in those arenas too. So you can diversify not only in, within all the different sponsors within the multifamily, but other niches as well so you're diversified in different markets different asset classes and different areas across the country with different structures you're listening to the cashflow ninja the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today not in 10 20 30 and or 40 years this is the show where cash is not king but cash flow is king we will be right back after a word from our sponsors my friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for high yield returns from multifamily apartments, ATM machines, and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Asset Investor offers, such as their multifamily, ATM, and self-storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A 
www.realestate.com. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Absolutely. Now you mentioned uh, a couple of niches there. What in you, What are you looking at as the top three niches or areas to invest with the eye on the market cycle and the eye on a potential next recession? Yeah, we're, um, we've got a lot going on in DFW, which is, it doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon. I mean, deals are harder to come by. Um, but the growth population and employment and, you know, a lot of fortune 500 companies moving there, it's just a really, really hot market. Um, Houston. Um, I'm actually, I've got to send my wire today. I'm investing in a 384 unit in Houston uh, that will be closing at the end of the month with another operator that will be bringing our investors um, in Q3, Q4. Um, and, you know, it depends on the sponsor and the niche. Like we, we've got a fund that's in several of the sunshine states that's in the mobile home park niche and then you know self-storage we, we're in alabama and florida like we're just diver- we're diversifying you know given our investors and myself i mean i eat my own cooking i invest in these deals myself but that's another thing to look for in an operator are they putting their own skin in the game you know right. make sure that they're putting their own capital in um so we're we're trying to diversify for ourselves and our investors and getting all of these asset classes in the different growth markets that are in the path of progress or continue to be projected. Great. Right. You know, you've touched on multifamily, you've mentioned self-storage and mobile homes, uh, mobile home parks rather. Um, what are some of the things that are attractive for you in mobile home parks and self-storage? And how does it play into a recession-proof investment kind of vehicle uh, if, if we were to hit another recession? Well, it's interesting because if you go back to the crash and, and look at uh, these asset classes during that time, they actually did better than multifamily. Mm-hmm. So um, that's part of just, you know, educating people and finding out what you didn't know you didn't know. Um, there's, you know, there's still a stigma. It depends on who you talk to with like mobile home parks. Um, but we have an off- affordable housing crisis in our country. And that is a really great asset class that provides affordable housing. And some of um, these mobile home parks are nice, like really nice and have value add components. Just, I mean, they're structured very, very similarly to multifamily. So there's a lot of value add with amenities and a lot of, you know, we, you own the dirt. They're not going to make any more dirt, but there's opportunities to um, buy up these parks, provide affordable housing. And then in, in a down market like that, you know, people are more, like they'll pay an increase. They're not going to move their trailer. It's a lot more money to move their trailer than to stay. Right. You know, it's not an option for them. So a slight increase in uh, rents per door across an entire portfolio 
is a huge win, just like in multifamily, you know, cost per door. Um, and self-storage, same thing. When the la- and if you look back in 08 and 09, um, people were losing their mortgages, losing their homes, you know, and we're attached to our stuff. That's just a fact. A lot of people have stuff in storage. They haven't seen it in years and years and years, and they'll continue to pay their self-storage fees. And when the market crashed, self-storage actually went up because people were losing their homes but wanted to keep their belongings because they knew that this would pass. And so it's really interesting, you know, just because you have to think of the psychology of the, the person of whichever niche you're going into, what that kind of psychology would be. Or for yourself, or we all know somebody, you know, every, everybody was affected in some aspect when the market went down. And so, you know, what did they do? You know, they went and rented an apartment and put their stuff in storage. And that's two of the niches right there. So it's interesting, but it, but it, it does provide, it's not just, you know, of course, investors want to make money. We want to make money, but, um, we're also providing a value. We're improving these apartments, making them nice communities that people want to live in and stay in and self-storage. Same thing. You know, if you're going to lock up your stuff and trust somebody, you want it, you know, not moldy and you want climate control and cameras and security. There's a lot of improvements that can happen there and mobile home parks. Some of the, I mean, it's interesting how they're rated, you know, four star, five star, with amenities or retirement communities for a lot of people in different parts of the country. Whereas, you know, in other parts of the country, it has a stigma and it's just educating people and let them know um, what type of value can be added to these. And you're literally bettering the lives of other people simultaneously. You can make a nice return, but it's a two way street. It's not just a take, take, take. Absolutely. And I, the word or the phrase that you mentioned, affordable housing crisis. Uh, absolutely. Um, some of the numbers that we're seeing too, and I, I've had several conversations with folks because people talk about, you know, recessions and that kind of stuff. Um, if you look at some of the numbers that are out there from people, savings rate, you know, the debt outstanding, the default on student loans, all these things there's a lot of evidence that we already are, we already are in one. The equity markets just and the economy just doesn't reflect that as a whole. So there's a huge crisis. So this is this is a an area that um, investors are providing a lot of value because there is a class of people that are going to need to be served. Exactly, and, and you know too with all it's it can be confusing because when you look around and like you said it's. The economy's not reflecting it yet. You see 30 cranes in the air and a ton of new construction. It can be misleading to the average person like, oh, everything's booming. It's great. And we're building. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, those class A luxury apartments are going to be class B here soon. You know, when, when everything corrects. Yep. And people can no longer afford to live in those. You know, they'll, they will move with the, with the market moves. They can't afford a luxury apartment anymore. So now they're going to come down to a class C, you know, in a B area or maybe a class B that we've remodeled and rehabbed in an A area. So everybody's going to be affected. 
And one of the things is to keep studying and keep learning. And a habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets and reading. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Um, there's a book I'm reading right now called Mistakes Millionaires Make. Okay. Harry Clark. Um, that's a really good read. I'm, I'm a voracious reader and I'm, I'm in my car a lot. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts. I mean, it's a mobile university. You know, I, I, I think uh, education is, I mean, we're so fortunate, MC. I mean, education is free practically. Yeah. You know, we, and, and this information age, we can take in so, so much. And like, you know, when I, um, how I came across you, by the way, um, was, you know, reading and studying, being your own banker, Nelson Nash, and, and, yep. and learning how to, you know, get my dollar working in more than one place and, um, and going down that whole rabbit hole. I mean, there's so many shiny objects. They're really, really good. But if you dive into them, one can marry into the other, like using a whole life policy to fund one of these investments. I mean, they, they go hand in hand where you get your do- same dollar doing multiple jobs rather than, like you said, sitting in a bank account earning nothing. Right. And so, I I mean, even my, my fiancé, I'm just nerd out completely. And he's, he says, that's my nerd. <laughs> or my best friend will call, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading a tax and legal playbook. What are you doing? She's like, such a nerd. But, you know, it's like when the lights come on, the whole world opens up. Right. And I'm sure you see that too when you're working with people. That's how I feel when I just start educating and talking to people about syndication or the fact that this even exists as an opportunity for them. Because um, there's a, accredited investors that don't even, A, don't know, they don't know what that means. B, they don't even know these opportunities exist. You know, But when you see the lights come on in somebody and just like, aha, it's like, you know, against you knife commercial, but wait, there's more Do you have a whole life <laughs> insurance policy. Did you know you could do blah, blah, blah. You know, I just nerd out. So what am I learning right now? Uh, lots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, there's so many things that blend and integrate with one another. And that's the, the big lesson that I've learned in my journey and just copying what successful people do and what they do. The very, very high, uh, level investors is they integrate vehicles in a strategy, right? We're so used to, oh, there's this or there's that, right? It's either mutual funds or bonds, <laughs> right? It's like, wait, no, there's a lot of uh, different things that you can do with a lot more control and integrate in a strategy, not just a product or a vehicle. It's like that whole golf club versus a swing kind of analogy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Oh, I have to commend you. This is one of my favorite all-time questions of any podcast ever. I love that you asked us on your show because um, I get true value out of people's responses. Time. I think um, 
our time is our most valuable asset. You know, it's so short. And what we do with it is probably the most important thing. Um, you know, I could look at the time value of money, could talk about, you know, my little tagline on my emails, you know, free up your time, put your money to work. But uh, the deeper meaning of that is, you know, how are you spending your time? Are you educating yourself? Are you helping people? Are you growing, constantly getting out of your comfort zone? Um, pay attention to your time. Like that's a value that I hold. I try to teach to my kiddos, um, you know, garbage in, garbage out. But if you're putting good stuff in, good stuff's coming out because we only get so much, you know, and it's so precious and so important what we do with it and just use it. It's a value and an asset. And so use it wisely. And then I think too, um, you know, we already touched on education is free, you know, I I mean, this day and age, there's, if you want to learn something like dive all the way in, like get, get it all over you you know, learn about it, try it on, see if it's a fit, um, make mistakes, you know, they're going to grow you. Um, don't, don't sit on the sidelines. And then, um, I think, uh, my late mentor, she, she's the one that told me to get in the real estate and who knew, like, who knew, you know, everybody loves a rags to riches story. That's a whole nother podcast. But, you know, when you come from nothing and you uh, grow and learn and meet people along the way and um, so many people, you just connect in life and don't really know until later you look back at like how this had to happen for that to happen. That's how I look at my mistake with syndication led me to this whole career in syndication what I would pass on is, I mean, she changed my life in an infinite number of ways. And there's a quote that just popped in that made me think of her. The best way to get even is to get even with those that have helped you. And so I think for me, that's a full-time job. You know, I've been helped so much along the way and just, you know, building relationships and meeting wonderful people and asking questions and, you know, not being the smartest person in the room, you know, be, be willing to, I always say I reserve the right to be wrong because I want to, well, you, you say it, MC, consider the possibility. Yep. You know, if I never considered the possibility, I would never be here right now doing what I'm doing. And even though it's constantly out of my comfort zone, even this interview is out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to say yes to it, you know, and hopefully grow from it. And I know I've gotten value. I hope I've added value to your listeners and to you. And um, so, yeah, go out there and get even. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you've done a fantastic job and provided a ton of value. Where can my listeners uh, learn more about you? Where can they follow you? And where can they reach out and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Absolutely. They can uh, go to streamsinvesting.com. That's streams with an S because that's what we're after, multiple streams of income. And um, you can just reach out to me there. And you can send me an email, Lori, L-O-R-I, 
at streamsinvesting.com. Um, we can set up a call if they want to, you know, chat on the phone. I'm open and approachable. And then um, I did send you before our interview, I am working on a book called A New Empire. And the mm -hmm. empire is an acronym from Employing Money in Passive Income Real Estate. And um, again, out of my comfort zone and not knowing what I don't know, I don't know how long, I've never written a book before, right? So <laughs> right. I don't know um, all the aspects of the process and how it's going to take, but if you're listeners are interested in uh, just being on the list. So when it does release, I'd be happy to send them a free copy. They Fantastic. Can email and put book in the title or put your name and uh, we'll connect. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again, Lori, for coming on the show, sharing your journey and your knowledge. And again, providing so much value for my listeners. It's been a blast connecting again. Thank you so much, MC. It's been an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.